You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It's a especially joyous victory Monday for all of us today. And joining me to talk all about it is Weston P. Smith. Weston, how you doing, man? I'm excited to be here. Not that I'm not every week, but like yesterday was such a roller coaster of emotions to attend this conversation with a smile on my face. Didn't seem real. I don't know, 24 hours ago, right? Like it didn't even see like I was I was contemplating my excuse messages to you already. Like, Steph, I don't, I just don't even know if I can get on. I'm sorry, but you're like, I don't feel well. I came down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, stomach bug. Blame the kids. They must have brought something home from school. But no, I am damn excited to be here and and have this conversation today. Well, I mean, the reason we're excited is because the 49ers had us on a roller coaster yesterday, uh, all throughout that game. And man, they they finished it and they won the game in dramatic fashion. Um, I mean, Weston, like, what were your thoughts going through, like, th- going through your head as the game was going on? Uh, were you panicked? Because I know in my head, I was like, I-, I was fully prepared for them to lose. I was like, you know what? At the end of the day. It's just football. This isn't going to dictate how I live my life. I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm just going to get these jokes off on Twitter. And, you know, I'm going to laugh through the pain like I always do as a 49ers fan. Uh, this sucks, though. <laughs> all, all of the stages of grief, right? You, go, you just go through them all. Uh, so where in the stages of grief were you uh, when things started to turn around? Uh. So I felt like you every single one of those stages at nauseum. I, if you didn't have a moment during this game where doubt set in, then you are one of the blind faithful. And I don't say that as a negative thing. I say that as like, I wish I can watch the game under your lenses because if you follow this team, the way we follow this team and the way we talk about this team, 17 points just seemed insurmountable and nothing was happening and i was the worst of fans yesterday steph i will not lie i was throwing my hat mf in everything and then i like you had a come to jesus moment where it was just hey dude your children are watching you behave like a child right now like pull it together and then it just turned to sadness and my wife bless her steph she was the champ yesterday in this household right like doing every superstition that we have she's executing flawlessly and she is not giving up hope and i'm just like pouting around right and she's like what's the matter with you and i'm like you don't understand like this is now the 29th consecutive year of disappointment from the team and like Mm -hmm. we should be really grateful it was a really awesome fun season a lot of awesome storylines content that just created itself all year but then for me it was the, the the turning point of for me was the opening drive of the second half even though you want seven there you still got points right so you yeah. still stop the bleeding a little bit and then the turning point of this game which we'll talk about where confidence immediately flushed back into me was on that first fourth down attempt that was a drop pass i don't care how you want to cut it right by by Josh Reynolds it was just like 
we talk about all the time, like momentum is a funny thing in the NFL and it swings like a pendulum and it just felt like it was about to swing fully. And then all of a sudden 14 feels way different than 17. Right. And it just, that's the moment where I was like, Oh, I can believe again, instead of locking myself in the bathroom, pretending I'm going to the bathroom. So I can cry and not do it in front of my children. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I was very quiet at one point in the game. Um, I mean, I I was almost embarrassed. Like, I didn't even want my girlfriend to look up at the screen to see how badly we were losing because I didn't want her to make a comment or anything. (laughs) I was just like, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I had so many texts uh, that I was getting uh, from people saying, like, it's not looking too good, is it? Like, I don't know why, like, people feel compelled to, like, text me especially when the 49ers are doing bad. It's not because they want the 49ers to do bad, but they're like, Steph, what's happening? What's going on? And then I had a couple of friends as well who also were in that superstitious mode and were like, I I changed my socks. I was wearing blue socks. I changed them. They started winning after that. You know, all the things. Uh, So, yeah, if you were one of those people, thank you. Because, you know, the good juju, I was on the 49ers side, especially in that second half. I think the turning point for me, Weston, was the fumble. uh, Because that was after they got the... If I'm not mistaken, I think it happened after the fourth down stop, right? Or no? Yes, yes. Because yeah. after the fourth down stop, they went and scored, kicked off, and on the first play was the fumble. Yeah, so that to me was was huge. And that's how they were able to get within like seven points of, of the Lions. And I couldn't even believe it uh, when that happened. And you saw Brock Purdy turn on some wheels on that drive after that to get them right in the red zone. This was an incredible game. And it's crazy because just the week prior, like we saw this team come back from behind against the Packers. And we were thinking how big that was. Like we hadn't seen that from this team. And I didn't think we would see it again the next week and not, 17 points down I just didn't think the team was capable of that you kind of mentioned earlier Weston that um like it it felt insurmountable right and I I think because we were kind of used to that we were we were used to 10 points or you know what however many points being insurmountable for this team but at the end of the day I mean they came through and I do feel like the difference this time around is Brock Purdy. It's not all Brock Purdy, but he's a huge part of it. He's a tremendous part of it. Um, I think when you think of like the, the best in the league right now at this playing from behind and, you know, you think of our opponent in two weeks, Patrick Mahomes and like what he's able to do. And it's not just Patrick, it's the entire team, right? It takes an entire team to, spurn a a comeback and also takes another team to give up the lead right so like there's a a culmination of events here but everybody starts playing really really well because you have belief in that guy right like if i do my job we get our stop we get the ball back i actually believe he's gonna put us in position to score and and close the gap and i don't know if they've ever actually believed that before like especially like this core so and i think that both bolsters their confidence bolsters his confidence 
And man, he is one little cocky SOB in like the best of ways, right? Like, I mean, the the, the galled on him to like make some of these throws or attempt these throws. And, you know, listen, the, the luck, did we get fortunate in this game as part of the comeback? Like you can argue all day, did the 49ers win or did the Lions lose? Well, I'd argue it's both. It takes both to have a comeback like that. And it takes a good team to take advantage of yeah. the opportunities. But to your point, Steph, of like, feeling insurmountable it's there's a reason why most teams like you see this is the largest comeback in the nfc championship game since the 49ers did it in in 2012 against the atlanta falcons right or technically Mm -hmm. 2013 but the 12th season it's because this is the playoffs and you're playing a really good team who got here because they don't also give up leads and shoot themselves in the foot right like especially in the nfc championship so that you know that's where the the dow crept in but Everybody just started to me. Everybody just started believing like adjustments were made. Defense was playing. You know, you saw Gibson talk about it afterwards. Like, hey, all of a sudden we were able to make plays. I don't know why that wasn't the defensive game plan in the first half, you know, in some of these other games. But, hey, glad they turned it on when they did. But, again, you play with that level of confidence when you're confident in your counterparts as well. Right. Like, hey, if I do my yeah. job defensively, they're going to do their job offensively. I get a score here. I'm going to trust that these guys are going to go three and out or turn the ball over and give it right back to us and build momentum that way. But yeah, at the center of it, um, as he should be is Brock because he's been at the center of all the, you know, the, the naysayers of the 49ers and, and knocking him. So why shouldn't he be the lightning rod for the success as well? Yeah. The lions at one point per ESPN analytics had a 91.5% chance of winning this game that was their win probability at one point 91.5 percent that was in the third quarter I keep going back to the fact that the Lions kept trying to like put the finishing dagger into the 49ers and they just couldn't I mean 17 points is not enough to call that a dagger not in the first half and you had a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, or yeah, it was Gardner Johnson who was like waving by at fans before halftime. I mean, that's just silly. And I, I t- in my opinion, that shows the Lions inexperience, right? I mean, this is the playoffs. Do you think a team as good as the 49ers, the number one seed, is just going to go down that easy? <laughs> like, yeah. come on, be serious for a second. But, you know, Weston, you also brought up the defense and I think the defense is part of the big reason they got in the hole that they did. Also, you can point to, you know, Brock Purdy's interception. When I rewatched the game, I realized that was a big turning point for the game. Definitely swinging towards the Lions favor in the first half because it kind of snowballed, but the 49ers run defense was a huge issue in this game And they really couldn't stop it. And I think you could even have the conversation um, even now, well, did the Lions just stop running or did the 49ers actually stop the run in the second half? Like what was going through your head when you were watching them attempt to tackle, excuse me, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery? I mean, they just could not do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I I thought the, first of all, I thought the Lions – 
in running the ball really well is their their linemen were filling gaps right they they just hit all of their responsibilities they wiped the defensive line right out of the equation and it left you know fred and dre trying to like hawk these guys down and being a half a second too late to the hole or whatever reaching with arms and not getting your body across and see nfl those guys are going to run through it um all day long but it was it was frustrating because you were watching it like they're going to score. They don't even have to throw the football. They're going to score on every single possession. That's literally what it felt like. And I agree with you. I definitely, and I admire this, definitely, definitely think that the Lions were trying to step on the 49ers' throats throughout the second half and take advantage of those opportunities. Evident by, you know, you left, going for those fourth downs, you were within field goal range, right? That wasn't like go for it on fourth down or punt, right? Like, so you're leaving points that could either have tied this game or – won this game and changed the game plan for the 49ers, et cetera, but they were going for the kill. And like I said, I admire that tremendously because I think we've lacked that as a team for an extended period of time of like going for the kill. Like we usually just get the kill early, you know, and like just keep riding it. That's how it's looked, but like, no, like not like stepping on the throat. And of course the Lions want to do that, make a statement, be like, we're for real Whoever we play in the next two weeks, like you have to take us seriously. Look what we did to this team. And that's what got them here. So there's not a player on that team, a coach on that team whose hindsight's 2020, but they're not second guessing themselves. That's what we do, right? Um, but it felt like in doing that, they, they were giving us the opportunity, like almost giving the game back, right? And you mentioned, like, did they stop running? I think it's a combination of both. I think they yeah. were looking for the kill. They've always been a a, a pass-happy offense to begin with, right? This running game is, like, newly found in this process. But they – I also think adjustments were made that typically in the NFL, right, you go to the line with two plays, right? You have two plays, and based on what you see, it's usually a run or a pass, and then based on what you see is what's going to dictate it. And I think they just saw some – Jared Goff saw something a little bit different. Maybe it was alignments. Maybe it was splits. Maybe it was something that made him second-guess that that run's not there. Right. So let's stick with the pass that was called in the huddle. I don't know. I've not, I literally have not seen any media today. Um, and which is really disappointing, by the way, because that's all I wanted to do today. But the day did not dictate that. Um, so I don't know if this has been talked about. That's just my guess is they saw something that looked a little bit different and saw something that made them confident that they were going to now they did enough on the ground. Maybe they can do it through the air to put the game away. Yeah. Going back to the discussion of, you know, Dan Campbell being aggressive and wanting to go for the kill, but ultimately not like Kyle Shanahan was asked about, you know, the aggressiveness of Dan Campbell early in the week. And I mean, he kind of said sometimes those opportunities could end up helping the other team basically is, is what he said. And we saw that play out in this game. On the other hand, you have Kyle Shanahan, who's a little, you know, more, more conservative and, I mean, he went for a field goal early in the game. Even I think at that point, the the game was was it seven to zero when he went for that field goal um, that was missed. So yep. I don't fault him for like like not panicking at that point. It's very early in the game, but going for the field goal at that point, you miss the field goal. So even Kyle's conservativeness didn't help him in this game. So I, I came away from it, like not even really knowing, okay, what's, what's the right approach. 
ideally maybe it's somewhere in the middle of both of those guys, right? Like over aggressiveness versus like conservative, you know, maybe choose your spots, right? Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that we we did see how that ended up hurting the Lions. But I will say, like the only reason that the media is maybe questioning it today is because it didn't work. If it worked, he'd be a genius and like all all these things, right? So that's how it goes for, for every coach in the league. You could say the same thing for Kyle's conservativeness too. Um, so, I mean, yeah. that's just how the media works and how people's opinions work. But I feel like there were certain performances in the second half that we got to discuss, especially because I don't think there was anything good in the first half, quite honestly, at least not enough to, uh, you know, nominate here. But, you know, this is a 49K player of the week show after all. And we do nominate players who had some good games that deserve to be 49K player of the week. So Weston, do you want to start us off? Yeah, let's get right into it. It's Brock Purdy, right? I mean, we're going to talk <laughs> about other names, but how is it you, not? You Bro- took mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Steph, would you like to go first? <laughs> uh, Josh and with you. <laughs> it, it's, how is it not Brock uh, in the sense? So 20 of 31, 267, averaging just under nine per. Yes, he had a t- the TD. Yes, he had a pick. This is all about, like you said, nobody played well in the first half, right? Like on either side of the ball, I would argue. It, if I, I so I saw this today, and we're talking about like, hey, this is this was almost a second half of the game award that somebody's going to walk away with today. Saw this stat, um, it was shared out on Twitter. I actually saw it just about an hour ago, maybe. In the second half, Brock Purdy threw for 150 yards, rushed for 45 yards, completed 80 percent of his passage, averaged 10 plus yards per rush, had zero turnovers. No other NFL quarterback in the last 30 years has done all of that in a single half, regular or post season. Period. Stop. End of argument. Like, wow. Like we said, he was he was gifted the opportunity to lead this comeback, and he took full advantage of it. You know, I again, I recorded every one of the naysayers like shows today, and this is all I'm going to do before I go to bed is watch and go and watch them backtrack some of this, but I can't wait because you already know it's going to be all pulled back and all of a sudden it's going to be praise Brock Purdy um, and and good. You know what? We talked about it last week. Like why doesn't he get his flowers? And if that's what it took to get it, the only one I saw today was Sherman and my God, does he love, does Unc love Brock Purdy? You know what I mean? Like he gushes over him and Sherman is one of those guys Forget his, like, this is his media role now. When he spoke, you always listened. You listened because you hated him, but you knew he was right, and you knew he was educated about the opinion. And now you listen to him because he supports your team like no other, like you (laughs) can't even imagine. And he's right from a fresh player's lens. So when he speaks, I'm sorry, I take it almost as gospel because he's not doing it to be right, right? Like he's just telling you what he sees and what he knows. And he gushed over the the performance yesterday and wouldn't let anybody tell him otherwise. And I don't know. It's like, Steph, how do you argue it? Like, he just – he had a tremendous second half of that football game. Yeah, guys like Sherman, guys like Brian Boldy, guys like uh, Greg Cosell, 
I mean, there, there's Kurt Warner. There's so many guys who have been behind Brock Purdy this entire season and have combated all of this game manager talk, all of this like disrespect of Purdy. I respect the hell out of those guys because, I mean, at one point in the season, it just seemed like it was the cool thing to do to hate on Brock, even up till last week. Uh, so, you know, they stood tall for Brock, especially Sherman. Uh, and he was in the building, you know, yesterday yep. he he filmed his show uh, right at Levi's Stadium. So, it, yeah, it, it's cool to see Sherm behind Brock. But who wouldn't, right? I mean, I find it so difficult to see people like truly watch Brock Purdy and still believe that he's not it or like he doesn't have it something in it factor, like ice in his veins, whatever you want to call it, whatever cliche you want to use. He has something that's intangible that like not every player has. I don't think people understand that. It's not just about the stats he was putting up. It's not just about like the great team that's around him, even outside of all of that. He has something there. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't, we can't put our finger on it, but we just know when we see it. And that's why when people don't believe in Brock Purdy. I simply know that they haven't seen him. Like they they're not watching him. Like I, I I just don't believe it because we've been seeing it for like a season and a half now. So no. I think we kind of know what the deal is with Brock. And, and let's we didn't even talk about his ground game. Did you see homeboy running? My goodness, he was scooting. He was scooting. Oh, I was like, what? Like you remember the his brother had that run at Nebraska earlier this year, like or later in, in the oh, season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, damn, I wish Brock had wheels like that. You know what I mean? Like his brother clearly has the gift of speed and uh, from the Purdy family. And but he was moving and he hit Debo harder than I think Debo got hit all game. And Debo would probably tell you that. And you know, Debo got in the way of Purdy running one in for a touchdown when all is said and done. I just, you know, it, it it's hard to just look at that game and say, wow, that's 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 what a game manager does. You know what I mean? Like, it's just everything. Off-script plays. I mean, the throw to Jawan, that Jawan makes an, a fantastic catch on, of course. The throw to use check on the sideline cool. after breaking out of the pocket. You know, and it takes two, right? Like, they got to come down with it. They got to be in the right position. But, you know, this is what they, they applaud Lamar for and Patrick yeah. for. Guys who can just scramble around and extend the play six, seven, eight seconds, and that's what gets that wide receiver open. And and they get MVP celebrated for it, right? Like, tell me how what you just witnessed on national television from Brock Purdy is any different. I know it's not 4-2 speed like when Lamar takes off, but it's faster than Mahomes when Mahomes takes off. It's just, I don't, you know, it, how, how is he not? Play 49k player of the week we'll talk about some other people but he's i think yeah i think we like kind of yeah. made our decision already not but that's kind of our job at the same time we're trying to convince yeah. you so um just really quickly because you talking about purdy scrambling reminded me of this quote from uh george kittle talking about his scrambling i'm just gonna share it really quick here and, uh, those couple of scrambles and get two twenty-one yard runs. Sick. What's what's your what's your view of those? What kind of spark does that do? It give? more. What are we doing? Just don't get hit. Like scramble. You know, maybe tuck the ball a little bit faster. But like he, he scampers. 
I think that's the best way to describe it. He's a, he scampers like one of those little water dragons run across the water. Like that's what I envision every time I run with the football. <laughs> he scampers. That's such a good word. Yeah, it's not I like him a water dragon. <laughs> like he's obviously not the most like athletic guy, but he looks so quick when he just decides to, you know, hit that gear and run. That's such a yeah, water dragon. I know exactly what he was talking about when he said that. Say no more. Yes, that is exactly what Brock Purdy looks like when he scrambles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was just part of Purdy putting the team on his back in those moments. Um, and in the second half, I mean, you talked about the stats, um, you know, uh, that a quarterback hadn't done in like the last 30 years when well, the second half. Yeah. He was 13 of 16, 174 yards, a touchdown pass rating of 132.8. I mean, he, he was everything uh, for the team in, in that second half. And he put the team on his back. I, for last two weeks, he's done that. I mean, I, yeah. I think I feel so good about this team about Brock going into the Super Bowl just because of what he's shown us these last two weeks. Like he has that if factor that if he has to go into a game winning drive, if he's down 10 to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I I think Brock can orchestrate a comeback. Like we we've seen enough. I have seen enough. So yeah, Brock Purdy definitely deserved this nomination this week. And, you know, like we said, he's probably going to be the one <laughs> to take I, it. This time. I, I don't know. After seeing Kittle's press conference there, and I had not seen that yet. I mean, God, that, that might get you in for 49K Player of the Week just based on that description and wearing the Claire T-shirt. Like, who? he's a national treasure. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. we don't. I don't think we appreciate George Kittle as much as we really should because one day he's going to be gone and you're going to be like, tight end position so boring like you know we got charlie warner oh yeah you know what i mean like it's just he's great all right steph you could beat brock purdy's nomination you gave me the easy one here you can do it <laughs> um i'm gonna go with the guy who i also felt like carried the team in moments and you talk about him almost every week right because we sometimes forget how good he is and how valuable he is to this team. It's no wonder that both Brock Purdy and this next guy I'm about to mention are most valuable player finalists for this team, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, 20 carries, 90 yards, two touchdowns, light work. Light, light work. work. Um, 42 yards through catches as well. I mean... Similar to Brock, there's just I, I know like the stat line doesn't exactly pop out as being like one of McCaffrey's best, but if you watch this game, how it unfolded, how there were moments where the team was just handing it to him and he put the team on his back at times as well. He he does that, like because he has he has an it factor as well. There there's something that drives that man more than I think I've, I've seen any other player really have. Um, and he'll just will himself to extra yards, to a first down, to the defender, like, slipping, not even being able to get him uh, to, you know, uh, what is it called? The <laughs> stiff arm on, stiff on, arm, uh, on uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I mean, 
that's just McCaffrey, man. He'll do that week in and week out. And we've just become so accustomed to it, right? That, you know, sometimes we just forget. But I think Christian McCaffrey had as big of a hand in, in this win as Brock Purdy did, quite honestly. Yeah, uh, you could... I know we just were celebrating Brock, but you could easily justify this for Christian McCaffrey. I saw a tweet after the game. I'm, I don't even look at my phone during the game because I can't stomach the text messages and going through yeah. Twitter and seeing the irrational. Do not disturb. Thought. Yeah, it just like makes me like I literally just like hand my phone to my son. I'm like, go lose it in the house somewhere. Um, so I can't see it. But I saw a tweet afterwards, and I think it was Stats actually that tweeted this about McCaffrey during the game. He had tweeted it about how he's just – always squeezing the most out of the play, right? Like, and I think that is a really accurate description of what he does in so many ways. He squeezes through the block. He always is falling forward. He gets contacted behind the line, but still makes that a two-yard game, right? So second and eight is drastically different than second and 10. I know it only sounds like two yards, but – that gets you in a position to be third and shorter versus third and long and being behind the chains and all those stuff. And I thought, I just thought that was a really accurate description for what he does. And yesterday was the quintessential example of that because there wasn't the home run ball, right. That he ran for, it was just it's four and a half yards of carry grinding it out. And he gets in, he, he gets those chunks and he gets the significant, like in the most significant times, yeah. you know, like that the biggest run was that one, I think on when he stiffed arm Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And that was, that was, a, a, them, yeah. that was an opportune moment in the game, right? Like a big swing in field position, but here's why Christian McCaffrey should win 49 K player of the week. And I apologize, Mr. McCaffrey. I was not familiar with your trash talk game until <laughs> this game where he got, I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did on national television. They showed him mouth. I'll politely say he called somebody a kitty cat and he was <laughs> upset about something. And I was like, Oh, I didn't, I knew this man played hard. I knew he played with a chip on his shoulder, but I didn't realize he plays angry too. Right? Like, and that's just a Christian McCaffrey that, like, I want to see. I want to see more mm-hmm. of that. I want to see more of that word flying around on the football field, you know, and just because that feels like something stirred – somebody stirred something in him. And it was right after – it was only like a four-yard game, but he ran right over the dude, right? And he got up, and the camera was right there, and, like, crystal clear, you saw him mouth that. And I was like, all right, now we're t- – like, now – and they were – like, we were losing significantly at that point, right? But it was just, like, the motive – like, just an extra layer – their motivation and i just didn't i didn't i knew he was a dog but i didn't know he had that dog in him and i was just like all right all right christian i see you bring that to the super bowl let's go i mean there's a lot of players say like you know give it all you have when christian mccaffrey does like i 100 think that is christian mccaffrey's everything what he puts out on the field he really does it so um always appreciate it and yeah, I mean, he he is a, a tough son of a son of a gun out there. Have you noticed? So like, this is just something I've I've noticed watching uh, Christian McCaffrey. Like, he has like a game face, and it involves like in my mind, Christian Bale Batman. Um, he <laughs> and I pulled it up because I was like, this is what 
<laughs> to me, this is what Christian McCaffrey looks like when he's running. Like, if you pay attention now, you guys are like, what the fuck is she talking about? But pay attention and you will see this exact face from Christian when he's running the football, when he's playing the game. Even when he's on the sideline, he'll make like this face with his mouth. He's in a different mode. He He's in his Batman era when he's out there. So, yeah, Christian McCaffrey definitely um, saving, helping save the day. Uh, for this team uh but yeah that that'd be my nomination that i think like you know could be up there with brock um but like there's also a couple couple of others did you have any others weston yeah i'm gonna stay in offense i mean i know the defense did their thing in the second half but there still just wasn't like a standout in my opinion maybe you have somebody that you're gonna nominate um trent williams again another one that we just like overlook but a clean sheet, like all around from him. You know, he was the highest graded offensive player uh, on the team, according to PFF. He had an 87.9 run block PFF grade, and he had an 88.9 pass block. So he had 66 total snaps, zero pressure, zero hurry, zero hits, zero sacks. A real clean sheet from Trent. Um, and again, another one that contributes way so much, but doesn't just get talked about enough because he doesn't put up, he doesn't appear in statistical categories that are tracked in a box score, right? Um, so that gets overlooked. But this is a guy we didn't know if he'd return next year. We got all hyped up that he's, you know, he's said he wants to come back and he gets to go to his f- first Super Bowl. And he's just been a consummate professional on this team. He's always had the back of his quarterback, his running back, you know, the the relationship that he has with Debo, leading him out the tunnel. Like, he is just a – like, I'm happy for him that he now gets to experience the next two weeks, especially media week and, like, the week leading up because you know he's going to have a lot of fun with that. And he's just really deserving of it in his career. But I think – Yesterday's game in the biggest stages just solidified because, you know, our offensive line is shaky at at best, right? And he is the anchor, and he played anchor football, clean sheet yesterday. Like, how do you you ignore that? And he did have Hutchinson to his side a number of times, and he handled that. Uh, Yeah, like Trent Williams, I hate that it's so hard to quantify like offensive line play. And it's just one of those things you're not going to notice. They could have the perfect game. and Like you won't notice them because like not being noticed is good for offensive linemen. Um, But we can nominate Trent Williams every single week because he's just that good and that consistent. Um, And so it's a shame that, you you know, he doesn't get nominated every single week. So I'm I'm glad you brought him up because yeah, he definitely, you know, kept Brock pretty clean, um, especially in the second half. I think the offensive line as a whole, like, did a better job in the second half, uh, keeping Brock pretty upright. Uh, so definitely got to give that big man credit. I'm so happy for him that he's going to be going into the Super Bowl. Um, definitely a player that deserves it. Um, so hopefully the 49ers get it for him. Uh, we know he will be doing his best uh, for the Super Bowl. My, I'm going to say this is my last nominee here. And I have one, the one and only um, defensive player that I would want to nominate for this week because it wasn't, it wasn't a great, 
performance for <laughs> for the defense, but I think this player played the best out of all of the the defense, right? So I I wanted to spread the wealth a little bit. Nick Bosa, um, he had two sacks in this game. I felt like they came at at big moments, um, and there were a couple times where even just Bosa getting close to Goff, you can see that Goff like rushed the throw. Um, and it falling complete or something like that. Uh, and he was a uh, PFF's highest graded defender uh, for the team. He had eight pressures, which is not like, you know, his best game. I don't think it was anyone's uh, best game on the defensive side. Uh, but I, I felt like Nick Bosa, you know, did kind of put the team on his back in some moments. And you kind of need that. I, I think uh, I think it was Eric Armstead or one of the defensive players, um, you know, posted something about, you know, Nick having like a, a good game and acknowledging that like he put the team on his back. So, yeah, I think that that'll go a long way. He should lead by example, right? Like Chase Young on the other side, Randy Gregory on the other side. Those guys could could stand to learn a couple of things from Nick Bosa. Um, but he had. Two quarterback hits as well, two tackles, three run stops. Um, so yeah, I nominate Nick Bosa. Yeah, I thought it's funny because Nick himself would admit to like say and has been saying it's been a struggle to get get home. And you and I have talked about it. This comment is elite, by the way. Uh <laughs> I'll be tuning in for that when it comes out, Steph. Um, but he it's been a struggle and we talked about how it was significantly important that they got home this week. And he was the only one to, to get home in terms of registering a sack. And I knew it was all business because you didn't even see the, or at least True. I didn't see it. Celebration. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. And I was like, he's, he's not playing right. Cause the first one came, they were behind and, and evident of like, almost the I need to lead by example. Like how do I expect these guys to play? Well? And that's the stuff that your teammates, we talked about it with like, you know, Brock, like building confidence, right? Like, hey, if we're if we're down 17 points, but our best defensive player is still out there flying around, trying to make plays, trying to make a difference, like, damn it, well, so should I, right? You would think that that's the mentality it, it breeds. And yeah, you know, eight pressures is not his most, but it's certainly far from his least, right? I think that's a highly productive game and agree with one of the fourth downs that we talked about, the first one that they went for, I mean, Bosa beat his man, got there. The ball just was designed to come out quickly, but I absolutely think it hindered the throw and didn't allow Goff to fully set and throw it. It was just about quick release. And yes, all that stuff influences. But the most important thing is like, you know, God, you really want Nick Bosa playing his best ball when he gets to, when you get to the Super Bowl, right? And maybe this is a, a step towards, I can't help but think about the, the 2019 matchup against the the Chiefs in the Super Bowl where I thought he played one of the best defensive games I've ever seen. He just got held all game long that they didn't that nobody wanted to throw a flag like, you know, so hopefully this builds towards that for Nick. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of like haunting memories we have of seeing our team lose in that 2019 Super Bowl. One of them Debo, one of them Kittle, you know, the other for me is Nick Bosa, you know, crying on the bench afterwards. So I think like all those guys, they're they're gonna take that pain that they felt in that 2019 game and and really channel it towards preparing for this week and you know putting their best foot forward uh, in that game, or at least I would hope. I mean, you know, that 
you know, you gotta, you gotta lead by example and you gotta, you know, act and not just talk about it. You gotta actually, you know, put it out on the field. So yeah, Nick Bosa, I think was starting to do that. Yeah. The playoffs, the last second half of the season, maybe a little disappointing for him. Uh, maybe even the whole season, you know, disappointing for Nick. But if they win the Super Bowl and he has a hand in that, none of that really matters. <laughs> not even, not <laughs> even a little matters. bit, especially after he just signed that big fat paycheck coming yeah. into the season. Anyway, yeah. you know, <laughs> we always see this. You see this across the league everywhere. Like paid a little bit of dip. It's hard to like it's always hard to replicate the previous season. Right. Like think about Debo 2021 Debo versus 2022 Debo 2022 Debo was really not bad you know it just wasn't 2021 Debo which was like something we've never even seen before across the league and that's kind of what Nick's performance was last year as defensive player of the year like he was an animal um but hopefully it's turning on at the right time someone in the comments thinks uh you look like Tony Hawk so have you heard that before Weston recently yes this is not surprising i don't see it myself i'm you know, i grew up in the the 80s and 90s i'm well aware of who tony hawk is owned his video games played them but um i guess there's some resemblance i can tell you where we look nothing like each other and that's our bank accounts his fiscal situation is far different than mine um which is all well and good but i guess I guess it could be worse, right? <laughs> In terms of who who they might be able to compare me yeah, to. Yeah, I, I could see ah. it. I, I could see it. You know, I mean, now that I was mentioned, it's like, right. yeah. So let's do this. Own it. Y'all, Own y'all it. go tell tell your friends that Tony Hawk is a 49er fan. He jumps on this podcast every Monday after the games. <laughs> and let, let's grow, let's grow the following that way, Steph. We'll lure him in with fake Tony Hawk. Isn't there like a video of someone going up to Tony Hawk and being like Hey, has anyone told you you look like Tony Tony Hawk? Yes, yes, you look like Tony Hawk. (laughs) Oh, God. I'll take it as Um, a compliment. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he still looks young in his age, man. Own it. We're we're ugly guys. I don't know what it is. It's fine. (laughs) We got good personalities, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. Weston, do you have any other um, nominees? He's like, no, that's enough for me. Maybe like some flowers, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, let's. Let's do it. I, I did have an honorable mention okay. uh, for this game. For me, it's Deshaun Gibson. And I, I want to preface it by just saying he would have probably been nominated had he had a better first half. But the first half, you know, wasn't great as it wasn't for a lot of guys, right, on that defense. But that forced fumble flipped this game on its head. Huge swing of momentum points everything else you can think of that a fumble could do for a team uh he also had a couple of pass breakups um one in the third quarter on sam laporta that was big uh so you know gotta give some flowers to him for finishing strong even though it wasn't a hot start for him um thought he played i thought he put together a real solid second half again like everybody else's of First half was just tough sledding. Um, obviously, big plays that show up in the stat column and, and change the game. But I think what I was most impressive was the accountability after the game. You know, where you see a lot of his like interviews um, and quotes where he's feeling like, hey, he admitted like doubt, cre- you know, crept in even as a, a player. And I, 
No, I think it takes a a big individual to admit that in a sport where you're not you're supposed to have no fear and never flinch and whatever. And then if maybe it just let them play, you know, a little loose, like and and go out there and just trust his instincts and go. And you know, that's that's if I had to define the first half on defense, everybody just looks stiff. You know what I mean? And then the second half, it just looked a little bit more fluid, uh, a little bit more loose. But yeah, I mean, this game is totally different if the if Deshaun. Doesn't lay the wood on Laporta and force him to drop that. I believe that was put it into third and long or might have actually forced them to punt. Because I think the next play was that punt that like landed on the one yard line, but still found its way into the end zone, if I remember yep. correctly. Mm-hmm. And then and the the forced fumble, like those are two significant plays in this game that he single-handedly is a part of. So yeah, awesome game. Weston, apparently you're also resembling Kyle Shanahan tonight. I mean, I kind of see it after, you know, Christian in the comments pointed it out. I mean, you got the hat, you got like the heat, you know, <laughs> Kyle has worn the the white, you know, long sleeve zip, quarter zip. <laughs> I've been known to have the a... headphones, you got the headset, you just I need know. the playbook, man. No, I just need Think to be yelling it. at yelling at somebody or some wide receiver to put in my doghouse. Halloween. Um, Halloween, think about it. Just saying. I'm saying I've been known to have a little swag, Steph. Don't let this old guy fool you. You know, we, we hey. <laughs> I dressed my best for the for the podcast, but damn, everybody's coming at me with from all angles tonight. Um, so glad I joined. It's a compliment. I think yeah, they're compliments. I'll take you know? them. I'll take them all day. All day. Um, <laughs> did you have uh, any flowers to give out? I, I did. It's it'll be collective to the remainder of the receiver room, and by that I mean Debo and and Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, listen, Ayuk, that catch, my goodness, right? And like my crazy. Goodness. That's just a good player making a play. That's all it is, right? Like never giving up on a play. Love that Brock aired it out. Just aggression, aggressiveness, right? Like, hey, listen, in the NFL, one on one, that's that's actually open, right? Like that, the wide receiver always has the advantage. Evidenced by like, look what happened when it could have gone wrong, went right. Luck favors the prepared and those in the right position. But Ayuk, throughout the playoffs, even in this game, every catch is a first down. It's a touchdown. It's just big plays, big moments. Hard to ignore that. I know he didn't go over 100 yards or have like 10 or 12 receptions or anything like that, but doesn't uh, limit his clutch factor in any capacity because he's he's big time um, during the the game. And, and Debo, you know, the return of Debo. Obviously, it's just a different team. Um, physicality wise, like again, he shows up in the stack column, nothing like crazy significant for, for him. But I, I was talking to somebody about like, Hey, if he was, I don't care if his shoulder is broken in half to get out there. Cause they at least have to account for you. You don't even have to contact anybody just run in motion, run around, do whatever, because on the off chance, they decide to throw that ball to you. It's going to be the moment that I lapse in coverage and ignore you. Like, you are the ultimate decoy in an NFL game because you have to account for him so many different ways. And that was just evident. Like do you, he's another person you have to count for in the running game, right? He's another, obviously in the receiving game, when he catches the ball, then what are we going to do? Is he going to change the game with the the physicality and the tone that, that he sets? Um, So I just thought it was obvious the impact that he has just being back in, in the lineup. So for those two, I thought they both played, they both did exactly what they needed to do when they needed to do it and were significant contributors to the win as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was a huge play at, at a huge time uh, for Brandon Ayuk. It, it kind of reminded me of George Kittle's catch against the Cowboys in the playoffs when it, it bounced off of his hands, 
his face mask and then back to his hands. Um, you know, just having that concentration to get that done. I mean, that that takes a special player. And especially in a moment like that uh, in the playoffs where you need a play, I mean, that's pretty hard to come by. We saw the Lions drop a number of passes on third down, fourth down, you know. Just an example of guys on that end who weren't able to get it done. Here you have a pass that, you know, was thrown to the defender <laughs> pretty much a little more accurately than than you and you still come away with it I mean I I just you you don't give up on a play that's what Brandon Ayuk showed there and Debo Samuel I mean I think he was big in this one like he's always big I think he was a little more than a decoy in this game eight catches 89 yards it was good to see that he wasn't limited at all he was getting hits he was looking for contact like he always does I mean, he told us before the game, he like he he wasn't going to protect anything. Right. So he, he definitely did it. And he was full go. And I'll just say this. We've mentioned a few guys, right? Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel. Those are three guys that I want touching the football when the 49ers are down or it's just not looking right. Because those three guys, if you put the ball in their hands. Something good will happen. Every time, and if not every time, like they will make it happen. Just keep trying because those guys can make a play when it counts. Um, there were a few plays that I thought in in a particular drive that Debo, you know, really helped them get down the field. Uh, so yeah, that that's a good one to give some flowers to. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it for the flowers. Aside from that, I mean, we had really strong performances from from guys and a lot of guys we could probably put on notice, but we'd probably, you know, not be here all night, but hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. Look, we'll, look, we'll keep Everybody it Everybody gets a pass. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it short just because these guys I've put on notice before. Hell, I, I probably had them on notice last week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, look, okay. One guy, Jake Moody. All right. He had the miss early in the game I mean at that point the 49ers took the first punch in the game already from the Lions and then for that to happen it just it wasn't right it was not right uh he did you know make his kicks after that the extra point the other field goal but I just don't I don't feel confident. I, I really, I really was trying to give Moody the benefit of the doubt as long as I could. And I'm just, I'm past that. I'm, I, I don't trust him. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> either. Like, yeah. Samesies. Like, I don't know what else to say to that. Um, or add to that. Yeah. It's a, it's a concern. So here's that. Just go score touchdowns. Just go score touchdowns, and we and, and we'll have, we won't have to worry about it that often. That's the that's the resolution to that problem because now it's committed. You're not trying out kickers two weeks before the Super Bowl, right? Like, yeah, this is the bed that we have made. It is now time to sleep in it, and you just hope that it's not littered with bed bugs at the most inopportune time. I I don't have a better analogy for it than that, but yeah, it, it's 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 troublesome. What makes it more troublesome? And this is not a knock on Jake Moody. He just always has this look on his face. Like he's always like disappointed looks- and sad and pouting. Right. Yeah. Like there's no, like that's him. Like, that's there's no, just his face. But there's no, like nothing that conveys any confidence, like back to me. Right. Like, and I appreciate that he's got 
a consistent demeanor, whether he's making it or missing it, but he always looks like he's missed it. And I'm just like, dude, like a little, little excitement. I just think he's tense. I just think they're tense and it's causing us to be tense. And um, yeah, I'm nervous. It does make me nervous for the biggest game of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible that the Super Bowl could come down to a field goal. I mean, two really good teams uh, going at it, right? No, uh, so not. we just hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, but did you have anyone you wanted to put on notice? Chase Young. I mean, I could go up and down the defensive line, I think. I just just still need more impact and more effort. You know what I mean? Like you were brought here, dude. Like you should be thrilled that you, you, you came out of the gate. Nice, you know, saying all the right things. And then I just, you know, you, you watch the game back, you see some highlights, you do some things. You're like, why is he, why is he walking like right now? You know, why is he just waving an arm at a tackle? Like he's one of the biggest men on this field is huge. Yeah. Like this is, you should have this might this opportunity because if you're not brought back may never come to you ever again to play in a Super Bowl and you have that opportunity. <laughs> Which one, the moody face? <laughs> I don't even know if that's a face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hope someone got a screen grab of that. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> no, but uh. I just like, it's just not enough urgency. There's not enough excitement coming from that. And I think it's just evident. I mean, I think this is part of the contribution as to like why we're getting scorched in the run game. You know what I mean? Like just play with a little more. I, I am commenting after the fact of the game. I am not one of these players. So I don't ever want to discredit like what their passion is and whatnot. I'm just saying like play with a little pride. I think that's what you said is important. Play with pride. It's, it just looks like a straight up lack of effort. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, dude, first of all, you're you just got traded to one of the best teams in football. If that doesn't like, you know, lift up something, burn a fire in you in itself, okay, I guess. Now you're in the playoffs. If that doesn't, you know, <laughs> no. you know, lift you to have you step up. I, I don't know. You're also playing like, okay, if, if those things aren't your jam, you know, team sports, you know, is that that's not really your thing. You're also playing for your own contract yeah. after this. You know, you're a free agent after this season ends. If any or none of those things can't get you to step your game up, I don't know what to tell you. I did see some nice plays in the second half, but I just I need to see more consistency from Chase Young. and enough with the low effort plays i mean it's embarrassing man yeah. it, it is embarrassing so yeah i i hope he could you know play a good game for the super bowl at this point like that's that's all we ask for another one though like he's gonna like he's gotta play right like they love the depth they love the rotation it's just pride that's all it is just take pride even if it's just it's self-inflated ego just go do it just go do it yeah, I mean, Weston, we were having such a great time that I forgot to have everyone vote. <laughs> I, th I thought we like, voted before we started it. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We kind of like already made the decision. Yeah. Sorry, guys. You're not voting today because yeah. me and Weston already chose. <laughs> um, but yeah, just really quickly, if you guys have any 
vote for 49k player of the week i'm about to put the nominees up on the board we've got brock purdy we got christian mccaffrey and we've got nick bosa short list today but you know it's because these guys you know stepped up in the comeback win so yeah sean i i think purdy was unanimous yeah probably uh so officially unofficially 49k player of the week it's brock yes (laughs) yeah glad glad we could get that sorted out guys um this was efficient this was efficient (laughs) guys we already knew what you were gonna do don't worry thank you guys thanks all right well i mean we have a lot of great content coming this week and i am so stoked for it i mean next two weeks all right we've got super bowl content um keep it locked here on the channel there's gonna keep the regular schedule going might throw in some bonus episodes you know because it's special time of the year so be on the lookout for that to know when i always go live make sure you hit that notification bell make sure you subscribe to the channel make sure you like this video if you haven't yet and oh by the way I am here in Mobile, Alabama. If you were wondering, you know, this is not my apartment. My apartment does not look like a hotel room. This is a hotel room (laughs) in Mobile, Alabama. I am at the Senior Bowl. And so I know the 49ers season has not ended, but draft season is inching towards us. So I will be here looking at some of the prospects who are going to be out here. Um, So, yeah, follow for that content as well if that interests you. Um, but for now, for me from Weston, have a good rest of your Monday night, folks. Peace.